When you try to figure out a song for the podcast that's all about movies, TV shows, video games. Oh, what are we gonna talk about today? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Need More Info, a podcast about the worlds of movies, video games, and TV shows. I'm your host, Nate, and it is great to be back, people. You only have me today, actually. It's going to be a little bit different. I have not actually tried doing this before. It's uh, usually bouncing off of a co-host. It's been an interesting discussion point, but we're going to have a shorter episode today, and we're going to actually talk about some of these shows and one of the films I've actually saw recently. We're going to actually do a review for Ted Lasso, the entirety of the series, but also specifically season three, and then we'll do a spoiler discussion at the end, and also the film Pneumonia. Netflix's recent animation adaptation. So obviously, you know, how things are with the show, we usually do a little bit of an intro, how everyone's week has been, how everyone's been, but obviously, you know, it's just me. So I guess we could do that myself. So it's been a nice week for me. Um, you know, it's been pretty chill, actually, like had a few things in place, hung out with some good friends, played some video games, played a bit more Final Fantasy, a bit more Zelda, still loving those games entirely, but also uh, looking forward to the new Mission Impossible movie, which we will be getting for a review for with uh, myself or James, so definitely looking forward to that, so check on that coming soon. So yeah, apart from that, people, right, I think like, you know, being a short intro to the podcast, Let's just get straight into it this week. Obviously, you know, uh, please leave your likes, uh, comments and everything for the email at nmipodcastout.com. That's nmipodcastout.com or nmicast. I'm your host, Nate. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. So, right. We're going to talk about Nimona and Ted Lasso today. So these are two. This is a new movie and a new show, which I've been really interested to see for quite a while. Nimona, I've seen. I've heard rumblings of for quite a while. And Ted Lasso, I've. I heard rumblings of quite a while ago, what is it, it's just, just a football show, how is it going to play out, and how that could go from there, but honestly, both these movies, this movie and the show, really surprised me in its entirety, so I think we're going to start off with Nimona today, and so right, Nimona is Netflix's new adaptation, directed by Nick Brono and Troy Quayne, I hope I pronounced your name correctly, starring... Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, Riz Ahmed, Eugene Lee Yang, Francis Conroy, and a whole slew of actors. So this movie is basically about... It's like a medieval futuristic uh, in kingdom, but the fact that they have to defend from demons and they have these magical knights and everything and how that plays into it. But you have your main character, Ballister Boldheart, who's basically this, like, down-and-out... Like he he's 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 like from the lower classes of society, and he's been brought up into the knights. He's been brought up into becoming a knight, which is very it's is the first that's ever happened because for a thousand years they've always seemed they it seems they've taken knights from high class um, families, which is an interesting like social dynamic unto itself. But uh, he's actually uh, this is movie actually digs into the LGBT narrative with uh, his his love interest, Ambrosius Goldline, played by Eugene Lee Yang. He's sort of like the champion knight of the institution, and he's uh, Ballas's boyfriend. So, but they don't play this up in the movie. It's just a very natural thing. Some people might say, "Oh, why is this pushing this narrative?" No, it doesn't. It's just really natural. And it's really it's really nice to see. Uh, and then we come to. Chloe Grace Moretz as Nimona. She is a shapeshifter who wants to murder everything. She wants to be the sidekick to Ballister's character, who's basically been framed for the murder of a character in the film. We will not spoil it until you see the film. And she thinks that he's this bad guy and she wants to work with him. There's some really, there's much more narrative complexities to this character as the movie goes on, and I highly recommend checking out in that regard. But so, Chloe Grace Moretz and Riz Ahmed give these great performances in the film. Like, if you, 
and we'll talk about the animation later. We'll talk about this story narrative in itself. But these two characters, it feels like I haven't seen Chloe Grace Moretz in something for quite a while. And even though it's a vocal role, I really loved her performance in this movie. Riz Ahmed as well. He has been on a roll recently, to be honest. I'm just bringing him up his IMDb now. Obviously, he was in Nightcrawler. He was in Rogue One, The Night Of. He was also in a movie called The Sound of Metal, which earned him an Academy Award nomination for Best Actor. And honestly, their vocal performances in the movie do the movie extreme justice. Like how we have Into the Spider-Verse coming out. Like Into the Spider-Verse has sort of taken this approach of like pushing animation into a new... It's, it's, it's a new leap, essentially. Now, Nimona has actually been in sort of like a production hell for quite a while. So the movie was actually acquired, the rights were acquired in 2015 by 20th Century Fox, and it was said to be directed back then. But unfortunately, when Disney acquired uh, uh, Fox, the project was cancelled and was shifted over. Eventually, after much rigmarole and how pushing the movie out for Blue Sky, which the studio was eventually shut down, uh, the studio actually, the film was actually like brought back by Annapurna Pictures, who I thought were a game development studio originally. Turns out they actually do like a lot of films as well, which I was quite shocked by. Like Terminator Genesis, not a great one, but uh, Sausage Party, I believe, is a, a possible one here. Um, what else do we have? Sausage Party Detroit, Vice. Um, what else do we have? Hustlers. Uh, I, I swear I saw Sausage Party, but I probably did not. Anyway, so anyway, go back to the film. So basically, Netflix came on with Annapurna, and they were like, "Okay, uh, we're gonna we're gonna release this film. We're gonna get it created, and it was actually done." So the film was eventually um, so Nick Bruno and Troy Kwan uh, replaced the original director, and um, obviously the original director was involved in the heavy um, development of the original. And it was emerged that film was the first release of Annapurna's new division, Annapurna Animation, which I'm really intrigued to see what they do next. To be honest, because. Like, this movie d does some great things with visuals. Like, it's really, really impressive. I'm just having a look at the uh, IMDb now, but for some reason, they have TV... Only, the only thing they're showing at the moment is Annapurna Animation for Nimona. So, the film was released on... Let's bring up the... Let's bring up here. It was released on... Where was it? June 30th of this year. And honestly... I was, I was a bit half and half of watching it at first. I did enjoy the trailer when I first saw it, but I just kept putting off watching it. And I decided, you know what? Fuck it. Let's watch it. So I did. And it was honestly brilliant. The film is literally just over an hour and a half, about an hour and 40 minutes long, if that. And it's like, it's, it, it, does, it has a great pace to the movie and it encapsulates the story in one film. The way it plays out is really, it, it, it is a kid's film. But if you watch it, you can really enjoy it, to be honest. Now, there are some narrative plot points which were quite predictable, uh, specifically with certain characters. But being, being a child's film, being a kid's film, you can't really put that into it because at the end of the day, you can't say, oh, but this is quite predictable because sometimes kids aren't going to pick on them and the adults don't. Just enjoy the film for what it is. And it was a really great story between a friendship that builds and how this plays out with these two characters, like this character who was betrayed by the upper echelons of society and established as a villain. He came from the lower class and now he's seen as this and he's trying to um, set his name right. His boyfriend, Ambrosius, who's conflicted because he's the knight of the realm. But does he believe, does he believe um, uh, Ballister? And then we got Nimona again. She is a shapeshifter in this film. And some of the stuff they would do with a shapeshifter in this film is really ingenious. And there's a couple of comedic movements in this film. All I'll say is Demon Baby. 
Uh, and I was I was literally pissing myself laughing. It was fucking hilarious. Like, I, I it's that outside cackling laughter that really plays into it. And I don't know. I just um I really loved how they portrayed the animation with this character. And as the film goes by, you learn more about this character. Initially, she just seems like this like really annoying character who just wants to kill people, maim people. Check out her CV. That's what I'm going to say. It's a fun part of the movie. And but as time goes by, you realize there's a deeper there's a deep complexity to the character. And you can really appreciate how the narrative goes with that and, and the friendship that builds with that, essentially. Now, obviously, we're not going to talk about spoilers with this because it'd be really difficult to do. But let's just go on to the animation. So in the animation of the movie, it has this 3D art style that's not Spider-Verse in the sense of like it's on every two frames. It's more like, I don't know how to describe it, to be honest, but it's it has a unique art style. And I think the the night, the medieval futuristic look to the film has a really unique approach to it. And because obviously basically what's happened is they've established a set of knights for a thousand years who are protecting from demons outside the wall. Think Attack on Titan where the city's inside a wall and they have like defences on the walls and everything and they have special units inside the wall to defend it but they have swords that shoot lasers, their knights, their horses are flying metal cars, like it's, it's a futuristic setting and Honestly, the narrative just with the city alone is really intriguing and in how they brought that about. Like, you get films like, you know, Puss in Boots, the recent movie, which was a real shock to a lot of people that really didn't push... Well, sorry, I didn't say didn't. It did push the animation genre in the sense that it felt inspired slightly by Into the Spider-Verse because we're, we're always going to come back to that movie now or these set of movies across the Spider-Verse as well. But also, it's doing its own thing. This is the same with Nimona. And I think... When you watch the trailer, you'll think, oh, the animation doesn't look amazing. But I will say this. When you go back and watch films like How to Train Your Dragon, the first movie, the animation's great still. But when you go back and look at it compared to the third one, it's much older. Same as Toy Story. You know, you go back and look at the animation with Toy Story, it's much different. But people still enjoy it. I'm not saying the animation in this movie is like Toy Story. I'm saying it's unique in the sense of people might look down on it because they might it, it might not look right to them. But all I'll say is push through that. And within the first five minutes, you won't even notice the animation anymore and you'll really enjoy the movie. So how how does the narrative play out? So obviously it does follow the simple structure of, you know, two characters meet, solving a problem, big finale. It does it does go that way essentially. Now the finale itself, I'm not gonna spoil, it does it's quite it's quite it's intriguing how they play it out. And also the ending did shock me quite a bit and how they did it. I think I caught how the end they were gonna play at the ending exactly, but We'll see how that goes. So, but coming off like some of the other characters though, so Frances Conroy is the director, obviously a well-known act actress throughout the industry. She gives a great portrayal in the movie. Um, we're not really going to talk many of the other characters because they're not really in the movie that much, but I just have to really praise uh, great Chloe Grace Moretz and Riz Ahmed. And also, I do have to give it to Eugene Lee Yang because a lot of people might know him from The Try Guys who were on BuzzFeed. And also, you know... I don't know if he's done, I know he's had like small TV bit parts, but I don't know if he's had like big, big parts. And Oh, sorry. He was in Journey. He was in Star Wars Visions uh, for one of the episodes, but also I think this is his first big like animation role. And he, he does a great job in the movie. Like you wouldn't, he, he doesn't, he doesn't feel like a, you know, an, a, a stepping into an animation role. He really does give a great portrayal in the movie. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does next because he, he, he voiced the character really well. 
But I do just have to praise uh, Chloe Grace Moretz and Riz Ahmed because they do a great performance. And I'd, I'd love to see if they did, like, continue this sort of, like, world, if they did, like, something different. Like, take a different aspect of, like, the future night-ish world and what they do with it. The soundtrack is very... How can I put it? So I'm going to look on the um, the thing now specifically. But So it was actually scored by uh, Christopher uh, Christoph Beck, who did, like, The Muppets, and also he's done the Ant-Man uh, movies, uh, One Division, Frozen. So he's, he's, on, he, he's also did, like, Buffy the Vampire, so like The Hangover. Now, actually, reading on Christoph... Christoph uh, I think it's Christoph... Uh, possibly if I pronounce your name wrong, uh, Christoph Beck's music, we're doing Buffy. This film has a very, like, how can I say this? Techno, like, audio inspiration to the mood, audio inspiration to the track is, how can I say it? So he's described it as, represented the fairy tale past influenced by punk rock and metal genres to accompany the story and the characters. And this really does come through in it, to be honest, because, again, I think the sequence with the demon baby, uh, we'll see in the film, does a great portrayal and how that works out so all i'll say is people like we're going to wrap up the review for this it's, it's not a long review because i think there's not really anyone to bounce this off of and i can't i don't really want to talk about spoilers that much but what i want to say is go check this film out it's literally an hour and a half long on netflix it's only been out a couple of weeks a few weeks now and i highly recommend watching it now if they do continue it later on i'd be interested to see what they do now the reviews have been pretty good you know it's kind of the last time on you know it's got like a 94 percent rotten tomatoes the metacritic is about 75 percent, i believe so it's still pretty good and other reviewers have stated like um from uh, variety uh, outside the box animation lgbtq themes and vocal performances particularly by uh, moretz I'm artist deliciously uh, sent an iron. Okay, that's uh, Peter DeRouge from uh, A Variety. So I'm just going to credit him there. So obviously, you know, a lot of people have praised it for its new take on the fairy tale genre animation as well. Uh, and that specifically Ben Travis of Empire does actually talk about that. So go check out reviews for that. But yeah, no, I'm going to I'm going to give this out of 10. I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Like I think initially going into it, I was a bit apprehensive and I thought to myself, um, yeah, actually, no, I'm going to, no, I'm going to stick with an 8 out of 10. I think, I think this film says an 8 out of 10 because it's something new. It gives great vocal performances. It does something different with the animation genre and the specific animation setting. And yeah, I just think that's how we're going to go. So yeah, right. Nimona, Netflix. Right. So yeah, Nimona, Netflix, 8 out of 10. So yeah, people, we've done our first review and I've done my first ever solo review hopefully you liked it and hopefully you enjoyed what was what i talked about and if you've got any questions or comments please let me know i i like to know what people think and you know how this goes about and everything and what we can do everyone's pretty much been out this week so i thought but you that you wanted the content people that's what you wanted the good content so i thought i'd provide that so we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back with ted lasso season three review and then we're going to have a little discussion about the season the entire show in general but we'll call that the spoiler section because i feel that like that should how it be. We'll do a spoiler section for that. So we will be right back. And we are back, people. Hopefully you enjoyed the Nimona non-spoiler review for the Netflix movie coming out. I it's honestly it's actually really something different to do this, to be honest. Like I giving it a giving a new approach to how to do reviews sometimes because I watch a lot of shows compared to the other people on the podcast who don't really have the opportunity all the time to actually do it. So I thought to myself, well, maybe I can start doing like some mini reviews for shows that I've seen that people could take an interest in. But also some of the cast members can also be interested in as well, because we talk about shows that we want to watch together. We want to we talk about how 
you know, possible shows that on the on our current lists, like currently talking to Chaz about watching The Bear and a few other people, a few of our friends were doing that as well. And he's, he's absolutely loved it. I warned him about episode seven for season one and it, how, how tiresome that is. But if you haven't watched The Bear, people, definitely look out for a review for season two next week or the week after because we will do, we will be doing a review for that because they are jumping on the episodes at once on, on, on Disney+. Plus. So, but you are back for the second part of the episode where we are going to talk about Ted Lasso season three. The conclu- well, currently the conclusion of the Ted Lasso franchise on Apple TV, from what we know so far. So, and then we're gonna and then and then we'll talk about like a spoiler discussion at the end of the series as a whole and what I thought specifically. Maybe like a five ten minute discussion of like what I think from certain characters. But right, so let's let's get in, let's get into season three. With so this is Apple TV's Ted Lasso starring Jason Stick as Ted Lasso, Hannah Hannah Waddingham as Rebecca Welton. Uh, Jeremy Swift as Leslie Higgins, Phil Dunster as Jamie Tart, Brett Goldstein as Roy Kent, and so many other people. Nick uh, Nick Mohammed as Nathan Nate Shelley, Jonah Temple as Kitty Jones, and a few other people, and a lot of other people as well. I don't want to go through too. Oh, sorry, and also Brendan Hunt as um, Coach Beard. I do have to specifically mention him because he does play in this season quite a bit. I feel. So going into this final season, everyone knew that this was pretty much going to be the final season of Ted Lasso, and how they're going to wrap up this entire. I say character's journey. Usually when you say character's journey in a movie, you mean one character. But I think with Ted Lasso, with the first season, it started with Ted Lasso and a couple of the characters in their narrative journey, specifically Rebecca Welton's character, Ted Lasso, um, Jamie Tart, Roy Kent, um, and uh, Keely Jones, and, and Nathan Nate Shelley. But as this, as the second season came about, they expanded that to the secondary characters. They expanded that further to all these other characters. And going into this final season, a lot of these characters get their own specific narrative, which I think plays out really well. So how last season we actually had um, uh, Cola Bikini's Isaac McDo, uh, McDo, I hope I pronounced your name correctly, apologies, where he, he, gets a, he gets a mini narrative in one of the episodes talked about, like his how, he, how he's coming across as a captain. We won't go into too many spoilers with that. This season, we get like really specific episodes with certain characters, with some narrative shifts on the you know the plays on like how how people are certainly represented in the football industry and how it could possibly like you know be a, a detriment to them. And I feel they they do a really good job how they portray a character's journey in the show. I'm not going to talk the characters specifically, but when you watch the show, you will know who I go on about. But going back to the main other characters as well. As someone who suffered from like, you know, like low mood, depression, anxiety, panic attacks and everything, it's really nice to see a show that deals with it in a very open aired sense and open positive. I say positive, open aired positive sense because it shows you that you're not alone. People go through this stuff, but also everyone has their different coping mechanisms. Everyone, everyone deals with it in a different way, including Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso. He... You know, he he comes across as like, you know, really kind hearted, really lovable person. And everyone just comes to love Ted Lasso. And he has he gives this like really happy exterior. But underneath, he does have this this itch, essentially, where it it is scratching. He he is getting panic attacks. Luckily, this season, he, he he's come to cope with it more, essentially. And I do think this season is dealing with his narrative of like being away from his family and 
what he's what he's doing and is he doing the right thing in his life and also does he truly know football like it's been a running joke throughout the show that he doesn't know football coach beard is the the more technically the, the person more technically known to understand football as roy kent who came on later on and nate um nate shelley uh as as assistant manager in the previous seasons but ted lasso has always been known as the character who doesn't really know football as much he always gets the word names mixed up and everything he's there to coach the people he is not there he 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 coaches the team as well as the, he he also manages the team but he he coaches the people more and i think that really plays out hand how to each character's development goes really long into the show and i think this season he does a it's a really lovely wrap up to the character if they don't do anything more with ted lasso specifically for his character because i know there's been rumors of like spin-offs and everything we'll talk about in the the spoiler section for this show which i'd really be intrigued to see to be honest because they could do some interesting things with that but if this is his wrap up and he maybe just makes guest appearances in the future i'd really love that to be honest because he does give a great performance and jason today because is has been nominated again for an emmy i believe he has one in the past if he does get the emmy this time around i'd, I'd love that it's a nice wrap up for his character, but I believe he's up up against some heavyweights this year. So it's going. Whoever wins is basically deserved of it, and I I'd love to, uh, Jason Sudeikis to get it. But yeah, so you know, moving on to Hannah uh, Waddingham, Rebecca Welton. You know, I think we're going to roll through this characters a bit quicker now before we sort of talk about the narrative itself, because essentially the narrative of the show is the characters. So I think you have to spend a bit of time talking about the characters quite a bit. So Rebecca Welton's character this season, obviously, you know, previously she's been trying to sabotage this, um, the football club, but now she's really come to love it. And her relationship with Ted is this really like brother-sister dynamic, I feel, towards the end, like they're, they're there for each other, essentially, at any point. And she is on this journey, essentially, of like, what does she want in life now? You know, she's she's got the club, she's essentially beaten her ex-husband, but what does she want from life? And She's on this journey to figure out what she, what she wants, where she's going to go. There's a particular episode about midpoint in the season that we start to see where her uh, pathway is going, and then by the end of the season, it has a lovely wrap up. It's a really, it's one of the, it's a lovely sad wrap up. You, you do tear up a bit at the end. I I teared up at the end a bit about the season, about specific things that happened because I think they had they had perfect wrap ups for these characters, and the narrative really fits. Really, it's like puzzle pieces. Every puzzle piece game together. And I think her character had a great performance. So another character going into the season is um, like Jamie Tart, uh, played by Phil Dunster, who's got, I believe, his first Emmy nomination, actually. So in previous seasons, he's been the cocky arsehole. He's been the, you know, he's been the, he's been the, you know, he, he is the team. He isn't part of the team. And in previous seasons, he had issues with his father as well. And I don't know, I just, um, I feel that coming into this final season he's finally coming into the cat he's finally coming into the person he needs to be for this show and then he's essentially a roy kent 2.0 in the sense of like we'll come to roy kent in a minute played by brett goldstein he's figuring out who he is and he actually plays into a major dynamic going into the later season which actually links to ted quite a bit and i love how that approaches and how like ted comes to understand to know the sport more but Jamie comes to understand and un comes to understand his team more and be a part of the team. We won't go into that much more, but yeah, he he has a really good dynamic with the characters he's playing off of this season as well. And he he's a much more kind hearted person. He's really going for a struggle as well at one point because there's a new character introduced, which sort of like wants to steal the crown away from him. But he eventually he he goes, OK, I can't do that. Like, you know, he's got he's got to do his own thing. And his journey is really brilliant. 
again, we've got to go through these characters and everything. So, actually, I'm going to, I'll come back to Roy Kent, but I want to talk about Nick Mohammed as Nathan Nate Shelley. So, this character, a lot of people came to dislike in the show because he, he became, like, the opposition to Ted. Like, he felt like he was betrayed. He felt like he, you know, he didn't want to, he, he, he wasn't the person he needed to be. He needed to go elsewhere because he, he, he didn't feel loved. He didn't feel loved the team. So, he went on to become the manager at West Ham. Now, going into the season, I disliked his character. I'll admit, I disliked his character towards the end of uh, last season. But I was kind of hoping that basically he has a redemption arc. I'm not going to go into too much. I, obviously, you know, I like these characters. It's a light-hearted show. It's a upbeat show. He does go on a great journey this season of self-reflection, uh, confidence, and also figuring out who he is outside of just being a coach, but also being, being a man himself and what he could do in life to be you know, be who he wants to be, not what other people want to see him as. And Nick Mohammed gives a really great performance in the character, and he bounces off a few of the specific characters really well. Also, family members. There's a particular scene with a family member. He 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 finally figures out like what he's trying to push with himself. He's trying to is he trying to push himself or is he trying to push other people's ideals? And he does. He has this great interaction and going like, oh no, it's not that. It's what he needs to do to become the better version of himself because he is really a genius in in a lot of senses. It just seems like he's stuck in his own way. He he comes to he comes to figure out who he is. That's not really too much a spoiler. We'll, we'll go into that season in a bit season later on, because um I'll go into that in the spoiler section more specifically. But yeah, it's it'll be really fun to see how his character maybe it goes into the next seasons later on. I'm not going to spoil what happens with him. So I'm going to come back to uh, Brett Goldstein as Roy Kent. This character has become quite popular among a lot of people because he's just very up-facing and, like, his opinions. He doesn't give a flying fuck what you think. He's like, yeah, I don't give a flying fuck what you think. Like, um, like that's my Roy Ken impression. It's fucking awful. But he's he's actually one of my favorite characters in the entire show because he doesn't... He just... He's very, uh, he's very honest, earnest, but also he doesn't... He's a great uncle. He's a great teammate because he's been through these experiences himself so being a cocky arsehole and he's the more mature character. He's the wiser character for the team. And Brett Goldstein gives a great performance. His, his narrative this season is... I think it's less than the other characters because his his narrative played out more towards the last season. His links towards a couple of characters this season. I'm not going to spoil it too much. Right, we're gonna go. We're gonna actually jump across to uh, Juno Temple a little bit because she actually is managing her own firm now. She is trying to work, figure out herself out in life. She is trying to be this big PR person. I, I love Juno Temple's performance because it shows this really ambitious woman holding this entire career that she's driven towards, starting out as a model and now being a publisher. Sorry, promoter. Sorry, is really brilliant. I can't say too much with her character until I go into the spoiler section because it links to a few other characters and how her narrative goes. But I do want to come on to, I do want to speak about Brendan Hunt as Coach Beard. This character has been really like, he, he's sort of like the character of a few words a lot of the time to a lot of the characters in the show. But, but this season, he towards the end of the season, I he shows an emotional second, a third layer, a second or third dip layer to this onion dip layer to this character who, he, he is smart, he is intelligent, he's a man of few words sometimes, but... What he's been through in life, you can sort of see why he is like that, but also why he is with Ted and why he is always going to be by Ted's side. And he gives a great emotional performance in a couple of these episodes. It's a really funny conclusion for his character as well, and I'm really hoping we see him in the future. But yeah, I'm, I just love that as well. 
I'm not going to talk about any of the characters right now, but I think we I think we talk about the general narrative of the show in a sense like it starts off with the general rivalry and it goes to towards the conclusion of are they going to win the Premier League season? Is how is how's that going to play out? You know, they did say in a couple of seasons ago, let's win the whole fucking thing, like you know, and how it plays out. But I do think one of the big things of the show is they did have a lot of advocacy for like mental health and how it shouldn't be a stigma to look at and this season does have a conclusion to that not just for ted but also a few other characters for specific narrative reasons as well there's also some racial issues in the show as well that play out the season which link to some of the issues that are going on here at the, at the moment and it's really it's really hard hitting a couple of those episodes but how it plays out those characters it, you could feel the love for the characters and everything how they come together for each other and it really plays out really well but I'm hoping the show goes more on. Like, I think there's a conclusion for Ted Lasso's character I said at the beginning. But if you haven't seen the show, people, it's it's done now. It's about it's about 30, it's 34 episodes long. You know, the first season is half an hour and then up to 50 minutes, then up to like sometimes an hour and 20 for the third season. But it's on Apple TV. Just get a, just get, just get a 30 day subscription if you want. A 30 day free trial if they do those and just watch it. And you can watch it in a month. You can literally one episode a day for a month or maybe two. And but I, will, I can guarantee, after you've seen the first few episodes, you'll be watching the show towards its finale that we've just been talking about. So yeah, right. We are going to leave the review there. But, oh, sorry, the review for the final season. So the review for the final season, I'm going to give a 9 out of 10. I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. I don't think I can give it a 10 out of 10, because there's a couple of characters I would have liked to see in a few bits more for. But I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10, because it's really lovely how this ended. So, we are going to get in like a brief 5-10 minute chat talking about how the show was as a whole this will be a spoiler section people so if you're not watching the show please leave now uh i'm not going to swear in this section this time because like i think it's more of a wholesome show so it's best not to swear in this section but if you're going to leave us now and go watch the show and then come back for maybe down the line you've seen the show and hear our opinions uh please leave them at nmipodcastoutlook.com that's nmipodcastoutlook.com or search for our twitter and instagram at nmicast right we are going to get into the final section now of the show like what well, well, the show as a whole i loved it the spoiler this is the spoiler section people the spoiler section i loved it it's i i decided to watch this show like a few weeks before how it went like i decided to rewatch the first couple of seasons because they were quite sure and going into the third season i love loved loved how it just carried these characters journeys along like, you know, eventually Ted goes back to America to be with his son and literally ends with him coaching his son's uh, soccer team. I say soccer because it's America, not the UK. It is really football, really. But yeah, ha you know, um, Rebecca gets gets the family she wants and, it, you know, gets the pilot partner, possibly, you know, the, the child. We don't know. This. It's, it's sort of like hinted at, but it's pretty much the direction that's going uh jamie tart becomes like the main the main football player but also he is the center character they do this um total football thing where basically every player is constantly moving like a piece of string not snapping being dependable on all the other teammates and it plays out really well and roy kent and him have this thing where they're trying you know they want they want um um they want Ke uh, keely's character back this season and how that you know how it plays out for her. but i do love the fact at the end she decides not to go with either of them. She just wants to be herself. She wants to run her own management firm. She wants to be her own character. I feel really sorry for her character because she felt like she did find this uh, character in a new person played by 
Uh, I'm trying to find the name of the character now. I can't find the name of the character. But unfortunately, well, she gets a new character this season who um, comes into it. Uh, her practical nonsense. Uh, oh, okay, sorry. Uh, Jack Dan Jack Danvers, played by uh, Joni Balfour, who you will actually know from All Mankind, if you uh, for All Mankind, if you watch that show. I took me a little bit to uh, get her there, but yeah, she has a lovely, uh, interesting dynamic with um, with uh, Keely's character, and how it comes into it at the end. I just love how, even though Keely felt she was downtrodden, like Rebecca stepped in and showed that like you're my sister essentially. I'm gonna be there for you, and you know. I'm going to help you out and you are, you are worth who you are. And I love how that played out. I love the fact that basically they were like, okay, these characters just love each other. And it's really awesome how that happened. So going into like, uh, like we got, we got to talk about Nate Shelley specifically, how his character, he went on a journey of jealousy and anger. And he felt that cause he comes from a family of like, he was always, he was always pushed down by his father. He was always like, you need to do better. You need to do better. Why aren't you doing better? So when, you know, Ted Lasso gave him this glimmer of hope of being this really smart character, but then he felt like he was pushed aside. Obviously he had his father's like mind come back to him. Like, why aren't you better? Why can't you do better? You just hate me. So he, he was like, he was just angry. He just threw himself into it. And I love how he finally meets the character, his love in the, his love in the show and how he gets a good relationship with that. But also he doesn't succumb to, uh, we didn't really talk about Anthony Hurd as Robert Mannion because he has a main role in the season. Uh, he, he's just an evil character. He, he's not, he's not a loving character. He's just an evil character for the show. And that's what he's needed to be. But I love how Nate doesn't succumb to the devil. Essentially. He, he pulls back. He, he wants to be the character he wants to be. And I love how that plays out. I love the fact that he goes, no, I'm not doing that. Like I'm, 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 I'm going to quit West, West Ham. I'm going to just get a normal job. And I do love the fact that he does become the coach at the end again for uh richmond which i really love you know that full circle dynamic like he, he's become to know who he is but a lot of that is down to his interaction with the character of coach beard by brendan hunt so it's revealed in this final season that he had a really really messed up life he he stole from people he was in prison and he even stole ted's truck when he came out and he he betrayed ted's trust but Ted knew who he was, so he gave him another chance. And after that point, he literally hit rock bottom and he 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 was sticking by Ted the entire time. He was like, I'm going to stick by him, and that's how it's gonna play out. And I love how that dynamic, like Nate had pretty much hit the low point himself, and it was Coach Beard who brought him back. Because he was the one holdout to bringing him back onto the team and everything. I just love how that went into it. And I it's just a great show. And I think how like with there's the there's obviously the rumors of like the the you know the possibly Richmond's women's team which I think would be really interesting because you know the England uh, women's team has actually been on the news recently how they did so well in the world the World Cup for them and I feel that you know female female football is uh, pushing up more now and I think it it does need more it does need, I, I'm not a huge football person myself that's going into the show I don't really like football. But if this does allow people to come in to, you know, to gain gain an interest in sports or gain an interest in management or other different areas, just to, just because of the show. And then this idea of a female football team, a spin-off, I do really like that concept because also you can carry characters over. But if you have a female football team, are you going to bring in a female football coach? Are you carry, going to carry on the same football coach? How does that play out? 
does Roy Kent become a character that interacts with maybe like the female version of himself, like going into the show and uh, Rebecca dealing with like, you know, a female football team as well as the male's football team and how that dynamic shifts going into it. And there could be some narratives that tie over there. I don't know how it's going to play out to be honest, but I'm really looking forward to how it goes. The season as a whole, I think I am going to give a nine, nine and a half out of 10 because I think there are a couple of narrative storylines which I think could have pushed a bit further. I like, I like how um, Colin Hughes' character, he is essentially comes out as this, he's a closeted character, closeted footballer who finally becomes himself in the third season only because he hangs out with Trent Krim um, towards the end who, and he learns to accept himself. And I love how that plays out. You know, I love the fact that, you know, we get these people who become to accept themselves and also uh, Sam Obasanya deals with um like racial you know racial abuse like his his new restaurant getting smashed and destroyed but the team coming together to really help him and like show him he's he's part of a family even when he's away from his family in nigeria and i do think both billy harris's colin hughes and tahib jamal i hope i pronounced the name correctly they give a great like you know for their narratives they give a great performance i'm i cannot wait to see what these guys do next i know Billy Harris has been away for quite a while. I haven't seen a lot of what um, uh, Tahiba's done, but I'm really looking forward to see what he does. But yeah, I think I'm, I'm definitely going to give this a 99.5 out of 10. So yeah, obviously I said I was going to give this like, you know, a very short discussion point, like where we were going to go from here. And honestly, it's been really nice to do like um, a really, this, again, this is going to be a very short podcast today uh, because it's really difficult to bounce off discussions of what people and also you might be in, you might be sick of my voice by now so you know you know that's gonna play out at the end of the day but honestly if you if you've got any like ideas of what we could do for the future please let me know like do you want other people's opinion do you want other people to maybe host this show or you know you listen to the shows and or maybe maybe you want to put yourselves up for a you know idea yourself for the show that we could possibly do i can say as before we will be going to watch mission impossible so we will be re- reviewing that actually coming up also the witcher season three part two we will be reviewing also, actually, I am also starting One Piece. Uh, yep, I am starting the infamous anime legendary show with over, I believe, almost 1,100 episodes now. And it's interesting to watch a show coming out in 1999. Like, it's really interesting to watch a show like that, one how that's going to play out. But the reason I'm watching is because obviously we're getting the Netflix adaptation in August, on the 13th of August, I believe. And it's going to cover the first 60 episodes of One Piece. So I've decided I'm going to watch the first 60 episodes and then I could give a I could give a perspective review because I did this with Cowboy Bebop as well. Now, obviously, next year we are getting The Last Airbender. And I think for Netflix, that's going to be the deciding factor. Like, I think, you know, if they if they if they fuck up One Piece and The Last Airbender, they do not they don't deserve to have any adaptations in the future. They don't like because they can't do them right if you know, you've literally got the creator of One Piece signing off on content for One Piece. If you still can't do it right, I don't know what's going on there. And The Last Airbender, I feel sorry for that studio. Well, I feel sorry for the IP because after the movie, like, pretty much killed Korra uh, on Nickelodeon, which really hurt a lot of people because it was actually a really great show. It was really frustrating what happened there. And I'm just wondering how it's going to play out, to be honest. But yes, yeah, so, right. I think we're going to leave it there today, people. I've been your host, Nate. If you've got any questions, queries, or compliments, feel free to email us at nmipodcastout.com. That's nmipodcastout.com. 
if you go uh, find our socials at NMI at NMI Cast on Twitter and Instagram. Again, look for our Mission Impossible review, which is season part season three, part two review, with the final portrayal of Geralt, and also find out James's rating for the entire season of show. I've had a little bit of a preview today. It's um, let's just say you want to hear that review, people, and how we do a post discussion on that. We also are still going to be looking at doing our drunk review at some point for Cocaine Bear and Renfield. If you've got some other ideas in mind for films, let us know. We might do those instead. We'll see how that plays out. But I've been your host today, Nate. I've been your host, Nate, today, people. Stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.